Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. We've had four games, and the Flyers have looked pretty decent in them, so of course that means they're in last place in the division. Uh, yeah, it's it's a wild it's a wild division, it's a pretty crazy start. We still have three undefeated teams in the NHL, there is a lot going on, so let's just get right into it. Uh, let's lead things off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. Yeah, as Bill just alluded to, um, a lot of hockey teams are good. And I didn't know that until this morning when I started looking at things outside of the Flyers. And before I knew this information, I felt really good about how things were going. And then I learned things and now I feel bad. So the lesson here is never learn anything. (laughs) Never absorb any facts. Simply exist in a bubble where the only things that you know are the ones that you want to know. I mean, I, in, in, in fairness, like, at this point of the season, you should be existing in a bubble. Because it's, it's so early that anyone who's, like, honestly looking at the Metro Division standings and freaking out because the Flyers aren't, you know, at the top of the standings, like, this is going to change so much. We're like, the Flyers have played four games. I think one of the teams has played seven. Like, this is really, really, really early. So it's the equivalent of freaking out because, like, the Eagles are fourth in the division because they're one and one and the other three teams are two and oh. Like, it's not a big deal. At this point of the year, what, what a team should be doing is focusing on themselves and trying to become the best version of themselves. Obviously, you don't want to fall into a hole. You don't want to be doing what, like, the Blackhawks are doing right now. But if you're hanging in and you're winning games and you're winning more games than than you're losing, you're probably going to be in a pretty good spot because there's no way a division is going to have, like, five elite teams. It just ain't going to happen. And, like, yeah, to Charlie's point, the the Islanders have the lowest points percentage in the division. It's, It's worse than the Devils and Jackets. So, like... Maybe this isn't the way things are going to go all year. And it could be a very good division, and the Flyers might miss out on the playoffs because it's a good division. But right now, it just kind of needs to be about do you and see where you are in a couple of months. Exactly. At the very least, until like mid to late November. You know, you just, you know, it's just, it's classic. Flyers fans. I mean, it's the same reason why people were freaking I mean, out because their Leafs fans are throwing their the jerseys on the ice. So. Okay. Leafs well, that's fair. Yeah. But at least, <laughs> okay, at least the Leafs are losing more games than they're winning, and they're looking pretty bad doing it. Like, fly the Flyers have won more games. Well, I mean, they're at hot. They're at real life five hundred. They're above hockey five hundred because the the shootout loss. But you know, it's let's let's just see how things shake out. Like, I'm not. I'm not saying that I think, without a doubt, the Flyers are good. I'm just saying that let's not, after three games or four games, decide that the Flyers are bad. Let's have a little bit of patience. Let's see how things shake out. And after eight, nine, ten games or so, then we can maybe take a step back and be like, all right, how good is this team really? Or how good do we think this team is really? And then even then... We're still waiting on getting Kevin Hayes back. There's still a lot of things that are at play. This team is introducing a lot of new players, so there's going to be some some growing pains, I'm sure. So it just let's let's just let's just chill out a little bit. Let's. Charlie's absolutely work. right, but also no fewer facts. And that was theAthletic.com's Charlie O'Connor. Chuck, like, man, I miss one game. What the fuck happened no, while I was gone? That's I don't I don't see. I don't see people like freaking out no. 
Mm-hmm. I do see, like, there is some concern, like, hey, this division's real good. Like, they could be better than all but two Atlantic teams, but still end up missing the playoffs by a substantial margin because the division's real good. But we knew the division was going to be Yeah, good. yeah, it's just playing out that, like, you know, I, <laughs> I think I know a lot of things before the season starts, uh, but, you know, then shit happens. Like, you know, Toronto looks bad. I did not see that coming. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a wait and see. I don't see people freaking out, though. I just kind of see, hey, so division is as good as we thought. That could be an issue, and it could be. Like, this could end up being an issue for the rest of the year, or the Flyers could, you know, have a 750 points percentage and not have to worry about it. Anything's or, possible. Or maybe one or more of the teams that currently looks really good in the division will go on a seven-game losing streak, as they do sometimes, and then suddenly they look bad. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll be the Devils, because I picked them to make the playoffs, uh, but maybe the Blue Jackets. Well, I mean, nobody thinks the Blue Jackets are actually good. <laughs> so Secret Devils. They, 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 probably, the Blue they probably will go on a seven-game loser. I'm talking mm-hmm. about, like, you know, yeah. like out of nowhere, the Rangers lose a bunch of games, or the Capitals lose a bunch of games. Like, this is what happens in a hockey season. You just have to kind of see how things play out. But anyway, if you're introducing me, the point I'm going to make is that we're about to do Flyers After Dark. It's coming this week. This week. We got it. We got the 10 p.m. game. So get ready. Get that coffee or caffeine or whatever you use to stay awake. Do your drugs. Get get ready for three 10 p.m. games in four nights. Hell yeah. No, thank you. Oh, I love it so much. I will. I will put out there right now. uh, Saturday the 30th, there ain't going to be no post game. Sorry. Get over it. (laughs) You will get the Wednesday and Thursday game. Thank you for all joining me on Green Room. Uh, but Saturday, ten o'clock start. It's the day before Halloween. I'm sorry, that won't be happening. Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D, Steph Driver. So, hello. Just to take it away from hockey for a second, I moved to Atlanta, and now what? the Atlanta Braves are in the World Series. And I've I've figured out that everything that I want to happen in life and sports goes the opposite direction. <laughs> Every single thing. Because all I wanted was for the Braves to stop playing baseball. And they heard that and they said, oh, yeah, no, we're going to make the World Series and probably win the championship. And that's cool. So anyway, my Have sports Have you ever luck, taken a ride down the Cobb County, Georgia? I live in Cobb County. Ah, you got to Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Was that a no one's gonna reference to something? Yeah, no one else is going to get Okay. It. Is this a wrestling thing? I, yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> I, I live in Cobb County. <laughs> so, all of the bougie-ass people that <laughs> live near the Brave Stadium, yeah, I'm one of them. My bad. Um, but anyway, my bad luck does not extend or just does not have the scope of just hockey. It is for all of the sports, and I sincerely apologize for my bad karma. It's your fault, and we all know it. It really is. It really, really is. So I apologize. All right. Uh, we're going to get the show, the, the actual show going now, uh, but I just got the full... Uh, orange and black alumni game roster for mm-hmm. what day is the alumni game? The thirteenth. The f- November fifteenth. Fifteenth. November fifteenth. That's what uh, I said. Some just some great. Oh, Donald Bashir. So let's let me just read it off here, and uh, people can uh, react as necessary. Danny Briere. Danny Briere. We knew uh, Donald Bashir will be playing. Dave Brown, Lindsey Carson, Riley Cote, uh, Murray Craven, Robert Ash. Good old Chico. Chico. Uh, Pe- yeah. Bob. Pelly Eklund, Todd Fedorik, Simone Gagne, uh, Mark Howe, Adam Hall. Oh, my boy. He's going to. Oh, he's gonna wow. Is he going to take, take all the defensive zone faceoffs so that Every the better players. One. Yeah, so the better we, players. We really, have to? we really are showing 
our our generational age here. When, oh, like, you name you name a bunch of like guys who are really good in the eighties, yeah. and that just goes without like anybody having any sort of reaction. <laughs> and then you name Adam Hall, like a nothing bit player fourth line. I was like, holy shit, it's Adam Hall. <laughs> well, just because we've had we've all like we had takes on this show about Adam Hall. <laughs> I've written about Adam Hall, uh, Scott Hart. I think the craziest thing is like. Briere, Upshaw, Hartnell. Like, these are guys who came in, like, later in my lifetime, mm-hmm. and they're in the fucking alumni game now. Like, these are guys who played with Claude Giroux, and now they're in the alumni game. All right, uh, yeah, so Adam Hall, Scott Hartnell, Paul Holmgren, Mike Knubel, uh, Reggie, oh. uh, Reggie Leach, John LeClaire, Eric Lindros, Neil Little. Hell yes, oh, Neil Little. the good soldier. Yeah, Joffrey Lupel, Brad Marsh, Scott Mellenby, uh, Brian Prop, Shell Samuelson, Nick Schultz. Well, I mean, he is like a coach. Yeah, I, like, I he's know. in the organization. It's just funny. Remember funny. when he won the when? Remember when he was gonna win the Ashby Trophy? Remember that? That was a good. Yeah, time. that was that was back when I was still a blogger. I remember <laughs> being very and like I mean. Not to rip on Nick Schultz too much, but that became, like, a beat writer thing that, like, yeah. what if Nick Schultz won the Ashby? And I just remember being like, guys, like, that, no. He's not became, the best defensive on the team. <laughs> it's just not. It became a real, like, generational, Nick Schultz is the heart and soul of this defense. And then we're like, Nick Schultz is not good. And also, <laughs> like, 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 if he's the heart right. and soul of this defense, who yeah. boy. This is why we've missed the playoffs. <laughs> 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 Uh, so Nick Schultz, uh, Ron Sutter, Chris Terry, and Rick Tockett, Scotty Upshaw, and Joe Watson. Pretty good list. Uh, Weren't I'm... some of these guys playing in the NHL, like, last year? Yeah. Well, like... not not that recently. But, yeah, there's recently. quite a few that, like, just last, recently uh, retired. Let's see. I saw some 2014. Nick Schultz, 2017. Well, I mean, this uh, is just their time with the Flyers, though. Hartnell, 2014. Hall, 2014. Did, yeah. Didn't you say Lupo? Like, wasn't he very recently? No, no, I he can't retired. He can still play. He retired quite a bit. He's actually. I was mildly surprised he was on this list just because, like, he wasn't on the Flyers for particularly long. Yeah. Oh um, six uh, or Lupo? Where'd he go? Oh seven to oh nine. Yeah. Well, well, but again, this is just how long they were at the Flyers. Like, some of these guys play significantly longer on other yeah, teams. Yes. Yeah. So, like, Lupel had a pretty long career. I mean, even Hartnell didn't retire that long ago. So, no, he's only been out a few years. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's, you know, working on the broadcast, so it's not that hard to get him to play in an alumni game when he's, like, directly still attached to the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, to me, I mean, the, the big name here, I would say, is probably Gagne, just yeah. because mm-hmm. of kind of how his... Um, you know, his time with the Flyers came to an end. It's nice to see him, you know, back. I believe this is his first alumni game that he's played, right? I think he was, I think he was here for the last one. Was he here one. for the last one? I don't remember. Or, or it was the Lindros, Lindros night. I, he's been around. I'd have to go back. He definitely has been back, but I don't know if he's played in an alumni game. Yeah, I don't remember either, actually, but he, he's, there was some event I vividly recall and he was around because we've already had this conversation okay but yeah i mean then there's some there's big names i mean there's older players obviously like joe watson it's kind of amazing that he's still playing in these alumni games um you know the tons of 80s players reggie leach is going to appear um i assume paul holmgren will be behind the bench and not skating but yeah tockett and holmgren are coaching i believe yeah Dumb. Will Donald Brashear and Todd Fedork fight each other? I really hope so. <laughs> I mean, I really hope these guys don't fight. I know the fans. I mean, would they're love not it, going like, to. Obviously, they're not going to. They, Wouldn't it be hilarious if they do like, like a mock fight? That's fine. I just don't in, want like, anybody to get hurt. Like WWE style fake ass <laughs> fight yeah, like, in the yeah, middle like, of the ice. Like pull, <laughs> the, jer- pull the jersey over yeah, the guy's yeah, head. Yeah. 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 They didn't take either. A couple of weeks ago, they put out on Twitter, like, hey, what alumni do you want to see at the game? They didn't take either of my suggestions, Mike oh, Richards God, and Frank Bialoas. So, well, I feel like Frank Bialoas, like, Mike Richards, there's no way. There's no way he's coming back. Frank Bialoas, <laughs> no, I yeah, could, like, plausibly see that. He's a yeah, real. He plays the dude is, League in Jersey. He- can he? Yeah, he's hanging out. Can he, uh. Could he, could he skate onto the ice? I mean, Frank had a rough... 
He had a rough career. Frank, I don't know how much he's got left. Frank, we have a bunch of tickets. We have a bunch of tickets to the alumni game. Frank. You're my personal guest. Friend of the Show. pod, Frank Bialois. <laughs> yes. I mean, someone the problem out there has to know how to get in touch with Frank Bialois. He's. I'm my sure person. someone. I'm, I'm sitting sure next does. to him if he shows up. The problem with Frank Bialois, and even though I think it would be amazing to see him if he would be willing to play, he like he never did actually play for the Flyers. Yeah. Like he, oh, he was a fan. Like he never actually got the call. There were always rumors that uh, remember, <laughs> remember, like they went through a stretch like '97 to '99 where they were always brawling with Florida. There was like always rumors like the animal's gonna go up. He's gonna go up <laughs> this week. It's finally happening, and like it never did. Uh, but well, I've I, always, to- I've, I've told on this podcast, I've told the story that the the very first hockey game I went to um, was a Phantoms game. Um, at the spectrum and um the entire time um the entire game there was this drunk kid who was probably in college <laughs> who was just screaming at the top of his lungs every time frank bialos was not on the ice which was most of the game usually we we want the animal at the top of his fucking lungs like right next to me and my parents and that, and that, 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 child that is the that is the main takeaway <laughs> that i have from that game the primary memory of my first live in-person hockey game was we want the animal over and over I again i can't believe you met bill as a child <laughs> <You're> right <laughs> there's this drunk 11 year old i think he I, I do think he ended up fighting in the third period and this, Every this game, kid went bad shit insane. yeah people know <laughs> Listen, it was a show. Like you, you weren't just buying tickets to a hockey game. You were buying tickets to a show. There's a reason why they used to sell out the Spectrum. Yeah, man. It was a like, good time. It was a great time. I loved it. All right. So, um, as uh, what? What's up, Steph? I so just real quick about Donald Brashear. A couple years ago, he was working at a Tim Hortons. So I think it's really nice that he's being included in. Flyers alumni game. Yeah, I think that's cool. good for him. I mean, the bo- he the was guy, always a popular player. The mm-hmm. guy had a giveaway. Yeah. He had a bobble gloves night. Like <laughs> this is a guy who was like a part of the Flyers. At least their marketing strategy. All right. So as Charlie alluded to, um, the alumni game is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be giving away tickets to it. We're going to be doing a lot of promotion. We might have a big surprise announcement. I don't know if we actually want to make the announcement or just say wait for a surprise. But we're going to say something at the end of the show about it. Anyway. Um, I'm always kind of excited. Like, I love the Flyers After Dark. It's just, it's more in tune with my schedule, personally. Yeah, right. uh, <laughs> I do this and, show with three vampires, so, yeah. yes. And, hey, I've, uh, like, I've kind of fixed my sleep schedule, mostly. That's, I'm, I'm, like, more normal now than ever, so we'll see. We'll see how these post-games go. Uh, but I'm, I'm always, doing a real bad job of being a human, so, yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, I'm always real excited when the Flyers play against McDavid. You know, like a bunch of games on ESPN+, Plus, NHL TV before that. You can always watch the other teams. But when it's up close against your team, it just feels a little different. Like, obviously, I want the Flyers to win. But I wouldn't mind winning, like, 6-3 with three sick McDavid breakaways or something. Uh, Like, of course, if Hart stops him a bunch of times, that'd be pretty cool. But I don't know. I'm just kind of excited to see McDavid. Like, it's been a while since we've played uh, teams that aren't, you know, within walking distance of the Wells Fargo Center, basically. So I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, we were uh, we were actually talking about this in the media room yesterday at practice. But you remember the last time the Flyers played the Oilers? It was, it- was the game. It was the game where uh, poor, poor Justin Braun. Got oh. caught in a foot race he got with turned. Connor McDavid, oh. and it was like you felt so bad for him because there was no possible way. There was literally no universe out of the infinite universes that exist <laughs> that Justin Braun was going to be able to stop Connor McDavid on Mm-mm. that play. And like, it, it was a shame for Justin Braun because it, it like exemplified like all the negatives we thought about him, and it was very early in that. It season. was very. It was the very beginning of that like, year. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, oh, see what they brought in? Like, but like Pavel Bure loses a fucking foot race. Like, it's not <laughs> fa- everybody loses a race to McDavid. Like, that's just the way it is. Uh, but the fact that it was Braun, it was like, see, we can't defend this speed. I'm like, yeah, the guy who averaged just two points a game last year, no one can defend this speed. Uh it's so but I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be 
a fun trip. Like, uh, when Vancouver came here for opening night, they said it had been almost 600 days since they played in the United States. Like, it's been a while since we've gone up to Canada. It has been a long time. Especially Western Canada, like Toronto, Ottawa, that shit don't count. That's just America. Uh, but out there, yeah, man. Tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going like to Out there, man. That's, that's Canada. Extra Canada. I mean, Alberta is, yeah. Alberta is like, extra like, Canada. And like Winnipeg, definitely. Um, Vancouver, I don't know. Vancouver kind of has that, like, Toronto-ish. They're basically Seattle. Very metropolitan-type vibe. It's more, it's definitely a West Coast vibe, whereas Toronto is more East Coast, but it's definitely has that metropolitan feel, um, in a way that, like, the middle provinces don't. All right, guys, so, as we're saying, Flyers, 2-1-1. Uh, I think more positives than negatives through four games, but... You know, stack division, you're going to need a lot of positives to really make some noise this season. Just your biggest takeaway through four games. What do you really, like, what has been the thing that you've been like, that's what I'm taking away here? Cam Atkinson is a, is a bigger deal than I thought he was going to be. At least so far. His presence on the team is much more impactful. Like, I expected him, obviously, to be good and help the team win games, but... So far, he and Farabee have been kind of like the best thing. So wasn't expecting it, and it's been really fun to watch. I'm obsessed with Cam Atkinson and also Joel Farabee. Like, I I knew that we had something really great in Farabee, but just watching him build on the year that he had last year has has been nice and it's only been a couple of games but it's it's been really good. I think the big takeaway for me and obviously there's, you know, a small sample size element. Um, you know, we lo- we looked at this last year where the Flyers looked really good from an offensive standpoint to start the year and then it went totally cold in in March and April. Um, but it's it's interesting because we talked about this before the season. We actually talked about it on this very show. Uh, that there was concern about like who's going to get the goals, yep. especially with Kevin Hayes out. It was you know the the concept was well if the top line isn't producing all the goals, where are the goals going to come from? And I think this start reminded everyone that like this team isn't lacking for good offensive forwards, even with the absence of Kevin Hayes. You know. You've got the top line. Obviously, you've got Giroux and you've got Couturier. And Giroux in particular is off to a pretty darn good start. But they have good secondary scores. You know, they have Cam Atkinson. They have Joel Farabee. They have Travis Konechny, who's looking good. Like, they have... they have, I know James Van Reems, like hasn't scored, but he's created a lot of chances. And I kind of think that's coming. Like, he's got he's got a two-goal game coming probably on this road trip. Because he's, he's in the mix. He's playing well. The goals just aren't going in for him. And I suspect they will soon enough. Um, they have good depth. You know, they have good scoring depth across their top three lines. And you hope that, you know, over the long term, that depth gets beat up even more. If Kevin Hayes comes back and is close to what we hope is his normal self, you know, if Morgan Frost eventually figures it out in the AHL, he comes up, you know, suddenly this becomes, you know, the, the strength of the team, which is what it appeared to be going into last season before everything went to hell. So, it's just been it's been a nice reminder early that you know this team is far from perfect and they have some some holes that I think have jumped out a little bit more uh, over these first four games and we'll see if they can clean those up or if those gonna are gonna remain holes. But if you're looking at the top three lines, I mean this team should be able to score goals and even without Kevin Hayes, it appears they should be able to score goals. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was the one who asked, how is this team going to score, especially if the top line doesn't get off to a fast start? And, like, just looking at what they have, like, yeah, Broussard, Lawton, Thompson down the middle after Couturier, it's not the most inspiring group of centers, but right now they're finding chemistry with you know, Farabee and uh, Farabee and the Broussard line. Got uh, Atkinson, Jesus, we just said his name three times and it wouldn't come to me. Uh, Farabee and Atkinson kind of driving that line with Broussard. Like, Broussard right now is going to lead the team in assists. Y- you have a couple of guys who just love putting the puck in the net and a center who's getting it to him real well. Charlie said the goals are going to come for JVR. Him and Limblom haven't scored yet, but JVR is making plays. Like, you're yeah. seeing it out there. Uh, my biggest takeaway, though, 
man, can we stay out of the fucking box? Oh my like, god. What? Why? They're not like beating have... people up. That's not. It's just bad penalties. It's they would have won that Florida shit. game. They would have won that Florida game. Yeah. If they had just kept their shit together. Easily. I'm having a lot of, um, I guess concerns is the right word, but it's stronger than that about NAK. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, he's been he's been not good. Um, bro, what the fuck? And they're they're trying. I mean, they're they're using a lot of positive reinforcement with him. They really liked how he came to camp in terms of conditioning and whatnot, which in a sense implies they didn't really like the way he came to camp last year. Yeah. Um, but um, they kind of are in a point right now where you know it's it behooves them to give him a long leash at least to start the year. And what's the alternative right now? Well, that, that's the thing. Like, they've seen his upside. They know he can be an above-average bottom sixer. He did it for the entirety of the 2019-2020 season. Now, we haven't seen that guy for over a year now. Um, he was good, at least at the beginning of the bubble, um, and then kind of went cold uh, once the playoffs started. Uh, but he had a couple really good games in the in the round robin. Um, but they know, I mean, in theory, he'd get back to that. He could be a play-driving, great four-checker who actually pops in with you know more scoring than you would think for a guy at that level. So it behooves them to give him a shot. That said, I mean, at some point, the logjam is going to pop back up. You know, like At some point, Kevin Hayes is going to come back. At some point, a couple of these AHLers are going to be playing well enough to deserve a call, whether that's Morgan Frost or not. At some point, and this is further down the road, but like, at some point, Wade Allison is going to be back. Like... Now, NAK, there's a there's a finite amount of time that he's got to convince mm-hmm. the coaching staff that he can get back to where he was. And we might even get be getting there quicker than you think because, you know, Zach McEwen obviously has been playing on that fourth line with, with Thompson and, and NAK. But Patrick Brown is now out of COVID protocol. He's been practicing with the team. He's not he did not leave for the trip with the team yesterday, Monday, because even though he is allowed to practice with the team from a NHL COVID protocol standpoint. He isn't past the 14-day point where he's allowed to actually go into Canada yet. So the plan is is to get him up there by Wednesday, I believe. I believe he could leave Tuesday, which is today, but there were no direct flights like that would have gotten him from Philadelphia to Edmonton on this five. This thing is hilarious. <laughs> So they had they're, they're like the earliest they can get him there. I guess they're not willing to break out like the private plane for Patrick Brown. Um, so the Rude. earliest they could get him. That's so funny. The earliest they could get him. And I'm sure there's COVID elements to this in terms of restrictions as well. Maybe with with flight plans and whatnot. But no, they're just like fuck you, guy. You can you can you can take just commercial sit in some airports. Um, but the the idea is that he's going to be there hopefully by Wednesday. And Elaine Vino told me yesterday that he expects him to be in a game. Um, yeah, in during this road trip. So, you know, if he gets into a game, you know, maybe they sit Zach McEwen, but maybe they sit NAK. Because to be quite honest with you, he hasn't been playing well enough to stay on stay in the lineup. He's basically just in the lineup because who else are they gonna put in? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, going back a second though, Bill, about the penalties. I actually put this in my my weekly column that was published today on theathletic.com. Please subscribe. Um, about there being two games so far that penalties really played a significant part in the outcome the first game being game one against Vancouver particularly in that second period when things went to hell and then obviously the game on Saturday when they took seven minors what was interesting to me about it was that game one after the game Elaine Vigneault did not shy away from calling his team out for lack of discipline and basically saying that you know the primary reason why we lost is because we took a bunch of bad penalties after game four, he did not have the same feeling, and you could tell that he was very diplomatically making the argument that his team really didn't deserve seven minor penalties that the officials did not call. Oh, game I, mean, I mean, there's they, always that case, yeah. but we know officiating is bad, so, like, I don't... And discipline to me, like, on top of, on top of the penalties, like, discipline is also... That fucking Yandel giveaway, like sure, th- like what? What are you thinking there? What do you think that that play is going to work? So like, it all kind of goes into one thing for me, and then when you add, well, there were seven minors called, whether you like them or not, like uh, you know, 
it seems like discipline is an issue in the team's two losses so far. Well, I mean, the mistake that Yano made on that play, that struck me more as not yet having the kind of full chemistry with his unit that, that he's hopefully going to eventually have. Because that just struck me as like he was tossing the puck to a spot that he assumed someone was going to be, and no one was there. And, like, that's going to happen in the early season. The one thing that did kind of rub me a little bit the wrong way about Vigneault, um, kind of, you know, not that, I, I don't care that, you know, he implied that the officials didn't do a great job, because number one, he was right. Number two, um, the the officials were in a bad spot. You know, the, the one ref got hurt, so they were running yeah. with one ref and two lines in the whole game, and I think the the crew just wasn't ready for the challenge, and were, they made some bad calls. They missed some calls they probably should have should have made, and it did screw with the rhythm of the game. That said, you know the Flyers on the penalty kill broke even. They gave up a power play goal. They scored a penalty kill goal, so they broke even on those seven minors. Where they lost that game was actually on their own power play. Own power play. Where, yeah. as you yeah. noted, but- Keith Yandel turns the puck over, and then they give up a goal. Even if you don't give up a ton of goals on the penalty kill, and yes, they scored shorthanded, but that is like 14 minutes where you're not sure. attacking. Sure, and Florida absolutely. Florida is attacking you at all times, and also they're just better. So you can't like, you just can't afford to have that sort of game. But like overall, I like what I'm seeing out of the Flyers. I think there is something there with this group. I think there's another level they can get to. But we're four games in, and I'm just trying to like, Look at where this thing is going. The thing that's going to hold them back could be like just those little stupid things. Not not like they're not good enough, but like they might have a seven penalty game. They might just give it away at the absolute wrong time. It's just those little things that are in a division that's going to be this tight could prevent them from making the playoffs once again. You know, there's, what, 78 games left. It's hard to be like, well, they're not going to make the playoffs because of a Yandel giveaway in the second week of October. But, like, you know, it's just frustrating. When you do the post game, you got to get into it emotionally like it's a huge game every time. And that leads me to um, drinking, honestly. (laughs) Oh, is that the next topic? Are we talking about drinking now? No, no. uh, (laughs) I didn't know if that was a transition. Are we now just going to, like, throw out our favorite beers? Segway it was, into it was, a beer discussion. It was a pause for laughter moment as I tried to figure out how much, uh, how long we've been doing this and if we should break. Uh, and we should. Yep, we're at like the thirty-minute mark-ish. So let's take a commercial break and then we're going to come back and talk about Ryan Ellis. All right, fam, we are back, and as promised, uh, I want to talk about Ryan Ellis here. In uh, the games he's played, he's looked real good. He looks like the top pair defenseman this team has needed. Mm-hmm. However, a bit of a su- bit of a surprise uh, missing the last game against Florida. They don't have their best defenseman against what might be the best team in the Eastern Conference, and it is a close tight. It is a tight game that the Flyers could have won. They really could have used the contributions of their best blue liner, uh, but he wasn't available. And this is kind of, it's one game, he's played in three out of four, uh, small sample size, and guys need maintenance days every now and then, I understand. But this is kind of the uh, the knock on Ryan Ellis. Everybody knows how good he is, everyone knows what he brings to the team when he's on the ice. Uh, but since he's become a full-time NHLer in 2013-14, he's played in 498 of 617 possible games, He's missed about 20% of Nashville's regular season games over these last eight seasons. Uh, so he misses time. It's a thing. Uh, last year, he played in 35 out of 56. The year before, 49 out of 69. He's played 82 games exactly once in the last eight years. Uh, there's like a 79 and an 80 in there. It's not like he always misses a ton, but typically he misses some games. So is this something you think we can live with? I mean, I think I think you're a little bit yes. Like, like I get. Look, I get where you're coming from. I get why this is a topic of conversation because injured players tend to get injured. You know, guys mm-hmm. with injury histories it just happens. But I do think that maybe you were waiting for the first game that Brian Ellis would miss to bring this up. I don't know. I mean, could it be a problem? Yeah. I mean, it will hurt the Flyers dramatically if Ryan Ellis has to miss, you know, 10 to 20 games for various ailments or one big ailment or whatever. That said, this is supposedly a short-term thing. Yeah. Um, He's supposed to be back 
They hope he will be back for, you know, the entirety of this road trip. He went on the road trip. Um, They're going to reevaluate his status today when he practices up at Edmonton. And the one thing I will say, too, about a lot of the injuries he suffered is a lot of them were kind of fluky. Um, You know, we're just kind of like fluke things that happen. Like we had the, uh, what was it? The finger. the, the crack knuckle or whatever. Yeah. Yeah like, yeah. like that was the one. And that was basically by, I believe taking a Patrick line, a shot to his hand, which I mean, yeah, that can hurt. Um, so yeah, could it be a problem? Sure. It could be a problem. Ryan Ellis could just be, you know, a somewhat injury prone defenseman. And now as he enters his thirties, he continues to miss time, but I'm not ready to bury him and basically just say, well, we have to assume he's going to miss 10 to 20 games because so far he's missed one. And if he comes back and is fine after this, then we could be saying after 10 games that he's played in nine of 10 games and suddenly it doesn't look like he's missed much time at all. So again, and this is probably going to be my mantra through most of this episode, just kind of taking a wait-and-see approach at this point. Oh, and that's, listen, I'm not saying, I don't even think it's the worst thing in the world. Now listen. If he misses 20, 25% of the games this year, like they're missing the playoffs, and that'll be a huge reason why. However, uh, in terms of just like missing a game here or there for maintenance, uh, just, yeah, he's a little banged up. Let's give him the night off. Man, like we've been spoiled with G, Jake, and Provorov and the standard that they have set for you just play through everything, you play every goddamn night. That's the way things are. And so it's a little surprising when our top guys are out sometimes. But I said this when Drew looked like maybe he was starting to decline a little bit a few years ago. Like, has he had the big injuries? Has he missed any time? No. And maybe not missing any time has kind of contributed to the decline a little bit. Now, as we see, Drew looks goddamn fucking amazing. But... That's not to say this team's lack of playoff success, like, who, without G and Jake playing every game, this team makes the playoffs zero times in the last ten years. But then they get there, and they're probably pretty beaten up, because they're the only guys who've been doing everything to get them there. Maybe some maintenance days here and there, they'd have had a little bit more playoff success over the last however many years. What do we think... Like, what do yeah. we think about that trade-off? I was going to say, if... I I really wish, and I know that this is never going to happen, but I really wish that we could just let this be a thing in hockey. Like, I would not mind Ryan Ellis sitting down every 10 games for a game to let whatever it is that's hurting a little bit heal up over a couple of days, rather than having all of these guys just playing through every single injury and then, as you said, Bill, you get to April, and they're all dead. And that's not what you want. I mean, Tampa Bay rested their best player for the entire season, and then they went and won the cup. <laughs> it was a good strategy. So That's true. You know, if, <laughs> if Ryan Ellis, I don't even know <laughs> what, what is wrong with him. Like, I don't know what it is that we're maintenancing. But if they're just sitting him just, like, in case, I'm all right with it. Like, it's fine. I do get the sense, um, just, you know, poking around conversations, you know, reading between the lines of on-the-record conversations, conversations I have with people in the organization, I do get the sense that, and this, you know, I know we've had this conversation of like, well, don't think they do things reactionary because of last year, but they absolutely do things because of what happened last year, trying to learn from last year. I get the sense that the Flyers are looking at this very much this season as like this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I think that played into why they added so much depth, why they added someone like Broussard late in August, you know, why they weren't anti-signing Keith Yandel when Yandel made it clear he would sign here for a reasonable price. It's just this idea that this is this season isn't going to be quite as demanding from a schedule standpoint as last year, but it's still going to be pretty damn demanding. You Man, still after have, the after the Olympic yeah. break, it's going to be it's a nightmare. It's yeah, yeah. like yeah, they, like, they, yeah. they have three days off this week. They have another three days in December, and like it's it's weird to start the year. Like we said at the top, the Flyers have only played four games. Some teams in the division have played fucking like seven. Uh, after the Olympic break, it's a sprint to the playoffs. Yeah, so I get the sense that the Flyers are looking at it as, you know, like somebody like Ristolainen, you know, and maybe somebody like Ellis. Like these are these are absences where 
in the playoffs, I would not, yeah. I would be surprised if they sat. But they're looking at it as, why are we going to push it now? Why push it now? And you're doing this kind of doing the same thing with Kevin Hayes, where like Kevin Hayes, there was a decent chance. And I mean, he's been practicing with the team for over a week now and looking, you know, not nearly as quick as he normally does, but like he's moving pretty well. And they had a choice of like, okay, well, do we put him on long-term IR? Do we keep playing cap gymnastics? And their thing was like, look, could he theoretically be be able to play maybe at some degree after eight games? Missed. Sure. But you know what? Why would we do that? Why would we rush him back? He's had two surgeries on basically the same thing within a, what, six-month period? It was May and then September. So five-month period? Why rush him back? Let's if if he has to miss the first thirteen games of the year for us to be sure we're going to get him for you know the final whatever sixty nine nice um then then that's fine. Why rush him back? You know when we're going to need him for the really difficult parts of the schedule when we're playing game day off game day off game game day off like that's when we're really going to need him. So let's not push it early. And I really do think that's playing into some of these decisions they've made so far this year in terms of I wouldn't call it load management, but I do think that they're look they're playing more of the long game this year in a way that they didn't do last year with certain guys, and I think it kind of came back to bite them when the schedule got real tough in March and April. Well, like, how often did we say last year, like, if they could just catch their breath, like, if they could, if things could just not snowball for two days, and they just never had that opportunity, perhaps this will provide them that opportunity this year. Like, if they lose two in a row, it won't turn into fucking six in a row. It'll just be like, all right, and then we figured it out because everyone's not hurt. So, like, I don't have a huge problem with it. Like, I know, listen, if Ryan Ellis plays against Florida, probably win. Like, like, there's a good chance, yeah. and that 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 is something I want to point out. You you mentioned about the Florida game and kind of you know it was a tight game, could have went either way. You know that's one of the reasons why as frustrating as that game might have been to fans. Like, Florida's really really good, really good, really good. Yeah. and they're pretty much at a hundred percent. And the Flyers basically hung with them mm-hmm. without Ellis and Hayes, two guys who presumably are key members of this team. In a way that, like, and I'm 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 not saying the Flyers are better than these teams, but they hung with them in a way that, like, the Lightning and the Abs didn't. Yeah, and like certainly. Look at the, I mean, and they they blew the fuck out of the Coyotes last night. That wasn't even a game. That was like they were playing an AHL team, and the Coyotes aren't good. Don't get me wrong, but like, what the Coyotes had like two shots on goal in the second period or something like that, like something ridiculous. The Panthers are a really freaking good team, and the Flyers played them pretty good without their number one defenseman and second-line and second line center. So, you know, it was a loss, and it was frustrating, but it does bode decently well for the true talent level of this Flyers team. Now, that saying, that said, you know, watch them go 0-3 on this road trip, yeah. and then we'll all be losing our minds, so. Sure. But, like, to your point about the Panthers, I just brought up their schedule. Like, the wins that they have, like, before the Flyers, Pittsburgh, the Isles, Tampa, Colorado. Like, three of those teams I'm expecting to factor into, like, a conference final, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and then the Flyers, and then they beat the shit out of Arizona the other night, but, like... They're really good. That's the thing. Because, yeah, I, and I, don't I was play, banging I don't that wanna, drum. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to play the moral victory game. Like, they lost, but yeah. there are positives to take away from it without being like, oh, well, they almost beat a really good team, so that's good. Like, yeah, sure, but no one wants to hear that after a decade without, no. you know, making mm-hmm. it to a conference final. But I will say there are positives to be taken from it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, without their second line center and their top defenseman if they had simply not been such idiots they probably would have won that game like it wasn't just like oh they kind of hung around with florida but florida's better so they won it was a very very close game even without those two players and it really was the penalties that killed them and And i'll tell you go ahead oh go ahead no no no, i'm good like something that came up on the post game um I was really happy with, in the first period, it looked like the Flyers could not handle Florida's speed. And then in the second, they, like, 
made adjustments and looked better. Wild, right? Which is, uh, <laughs> you know, credit the team, credit Vigneault, not something we've seen a ton of. So that was like an, an encouraging aspect, just that if something, whatever they were doing wasn't working, they were able to fix. Like, that's... That's huge right now in the early going that they already have that ability, you know, new, a bunch of new players, the coach rebounding from last year where half the fans wanted him fired. Like, I, I was happy with that aspect a lot. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting start, and, and I get the sense that more fans than not are are allowing themselves to be a little bit optimistic. Probably just because it's so painful to assume that this year is going to end up being as miserable as last 78 season. 78 games left. <laughs> Yeah, um, but I do get I do get the sense that people are like, you know, not burying this team yet because they didn't, you know, jump out to this this incredible start. It's been a decent start. They didn't, you know, lose all four of the games in the homestand, which, of course, would have people losing their minds. Um, that said, I mean, there's some there's some things about this team that are concerning. Um, not like I guess there's degrees of concern to me. You know, if I look at the for the four games and I'm, I'm looking at parts of the roster that to me, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna come right out and say like their weaknesses because especially one of the three things I do not think will be a weakness. I just don't think it was that good to um you know just in in this homestand. I want to see more from the top line. Yeah, yep. it's not that like Drew scored, but a lot of his like his goals have mostly come at you know non five on five like i wanted to see the the top line play much better against boston's top line than they yes. did and mm-hmm. they were kind of just hanging on for dear life and i expect more out of sean couturier and that top line than what they delivered in that game i know the flyers won that game but they got crushed the top line especially got crushed from a puck possession standpoint and i want to see them control a game not just hang on and try to keep those guys to the outside i want to see them kind of you know you know exert their authority on the game in a way they didn't in the way I don't think they really have yet Mm-mm. at five on five to the degree that I believe they can. So that's number one. Number two, and this is a legitimate concern. I am worried about that second pair. Yes. And I mean, I look, I, I, I am a, I am a noted rest versus the line skeptic and I do not think he's played that well, but Travis Sandheim has been bad and he hasn't been bad just because of rest versus the line. He's no. just been bad. No, it's very difficult to watch and also understand like he's he's gone downhill in a way that makes literally no sense to me whatsoever like last year you can kind of write off the same way that you write off everyone's last year but he's looked terrible through four games like abjectly terrible and i don't understand what's going on with him and then my concern too is that it's not going to like I think he already had an uphill battle because he was going to be paired with Ristolainen. Mm-hmm. And now he's got to fix his own shit while also learning how to play with Rasmus Ristolainen. So it just it, it's concerning to me because it strikes me as a major uphill battle. I was kind of hoping that like those first couple games with Justin Braun might actually kind of serve to be like a blessing in disguise because like okay he finds his footing with a pairing that we know works. That pairing has done well in the past. Then you give him wrist line and then Sanheim. It's like all right, like now you got to figure out how to make this work. But we gave you those games without him. Now now it's time for for the real you know, the real, not struggle, but like, this is the, this is your task. Your task is to find a way to make this Ristolainen and Sanheim pairing work. And right now, I mean, I don't think Ristolainen has played well, but I think Sanheim's probably played worse. Yeah. Yeah. And that's scary to me because I, I wanted Sanheim to be the guy who kind of carried that pair. Yeah. And it doesn't look like either of them can right now. And what's, I think ultimately most concerning about that pair is there's no like solution. Um, yeah, no, they just have to figure it out. Yeah, like, like they, they they have to figure Ellis it out Prov- in some way. Ellis and Provorov are the first pair, and that's the way things are going to be. Braun and Yandel can't play more than 16, 17 minutes a game. Like, that's who they are. They, yeah. at this point in their careers, are third-pair defensemen. Um, it's either, like, Cam York and a trade, or... Uh, these guys just suck all year, and there's nothing that can be done. Like, these are yeah, your options. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah, and I talked about that in my mailbag. Um, that, it was the Saturday, mailbag which, you brought it up. Yeah, where it's just like I don't, 
you know, they, they've really stylistically, like, they kind of need the Sanheim versus the Lion and pair to work, because if it doesn't, you know, there's been some talk, well, you could just flip-flop, you know, Braun and, and Ristolainen. And, and, like, I, there's some merit to that because Yandel the Sandheim Braun pair has worked. Like but Yandel, yeah, Rand, Yandel Risto scares me. And it's because, like, you could, you could talk yourself into it, but, like, one of my disconnects with, with the, and I, I obviously have a major disconnect with the, the the eye test community on rest versus the line and period as a player just in terms of how good he is. But I, the the other major disconnect I have with them is that because he hits people, he kind of has this reputation of like, oh, well, we can turn him into like a defensive defenseman. No, and that's not who he I is. think. I think that's the worst part of his game. Like, I don't. I think he blows coverages way more. At least he did in Buffalo. He blew coverages a lot. And putting him with Yandel scares me mm-hmm. because Yandel's strength is not defensive coverage either. So, I mean, you might have to try that. Like, if, if the if the Sanheim Everest yeah, line just doesn't work for three more weeks, you might have to try that. But then I just worry about that third pair. And then, you know, then suddenly it's like, okay, well, if Sanheim Braun gets back to where they were and Ellis Proverop is as good as we think it can be, then what? Do you just have to, like, barely play the third pair and then at that point it's like well then what the hell's wrist line even doing here in the first place because i don't think like, and like let me put it this way like i'm not by saying that i'm not shitting on wrist line in particular it's just like i don't think i think braun can go up and be the four i don't think yandel can go up and be the four no yeah so yeah. like you can't I, I don't think you can elevate Yandel to play with Rissa Line and say that's our second pair because mm-hmm. I think that would be a disaster. I just don't think Yandel can do it anymore. So if you're going to make any tweak to that bottom four, it's got to be Braun moves up into the top four and Rissa Line and goes down just because Yandel can't and Yandel's your Sandheim replacement. The only other option is you call up Cam York and I don't think they're there yet. I also don't think they're willing to put Ristolainen on the third pair. Like, I feel like there was such an investment in getting him that they... I feel like they would take Sanheim off the second pair before they took Risto off because there seems to be such an investment in the idea of him being good here, just based on what they had to give up to get him. Yeah. And that worries me because if it's not working, it's not working, and something has to give, and all of the options are bad. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I get your where you're coming from with Risto, where it's like, well, they made that big trade, they've been talking him up, but they haven't re-signed him yet. That's true. It would be it would be a different thing if they had traded for him and then a you know, the first day they were allowed to sign him to a contract, they signed to a big extension. Because then it'd be like, all right, well, you've re- you've hitched your ride to this guy. The fact they have not re-signed him yet tells me that they're still in something of a like Let's evaluate how this guy fits. So if he's just doing poorly, and I, granted, I think they're going to give this pairing a long leash because I think, as we talked about, mm-hmm. they realize that the the pathway for this Flyers team and this Flyers defense to be good from top to bottom, the pathway is Sandheim wrist line and working. So they're going to try to make it work. But in the end, if the team's losing, coaches change shit up. That's just what coaches do. And I don't think Elaine Vino is going to be so tied to this wrist line experiment that he's not going to be willing to move him around. You know, it's funny, and like this this pairing scares me for other reasons, but if you're talking stylistically, like I don't think it'll work because I don't think wrist aligning can take the minutes. But I oh, I think no. wrist aligning's I think wrist aligning's best served with a good def like a, a defenseman who's good at defense. Mm-hmm. And Provorov is much better at defense than Travis Sanheim. Now I don't want wrist aligning on the top pair because I don't want those I don't want to have those <laughs> minutes. But like if you're talking stylistically, like that could be an option they try out oh, at some God. point just to see. Charlie O'Connor advocates Provorov versus the line and pairing. <laughs> see, I could see them doing that before they move him to the third pair. And then which who's is maybe, terrifying? Maybe. Is it Sandheim Ellis then? Like, which I think could work. I think that would work. If Sandheim gets his shit together, that could be a fun pair to watch. Yeah. It should be. Um, <laughs> it won't be, mean, but it could be. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, the Buffalo Sabres are 4-1-1, one, and, one, and mm. Bobby Bobby Hitz had a goal and an assist last night. Should have oh kept. 
he was so underappreciated. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing more. This is funny. Jack Eichel's fault, right? Like, it's totally there's, Jack Eichel. There's nothing funnier to me than the concept that the reason why the wrist aligning trade was bad was because they gave up Robert Hague. That's that he's, is he's that is key. that is the funniest concept <laughs> I think I have ever heard in my life. I haven't heard anyone actually hockey related. Say I've seen a couple. Of we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Just that perhaps they shouldn't have given like, up Robert Hague. I if just... somebody, if it's somebody who you constantly laugh at their takes, why does it matter if that person says something asinine? Like oh, giving up a first, giving up a first round pick, and then like signing him to a contract he doesn't deserve. That will make the trade bad. But Robert Haig is a replacement-level player. He's literally anyone you find in the league playing defense that you can pick up on waivers anywhere at any time. He means nothing. Good for him. He's making himself a career in the NHL. He racks up them hits. But, like, he's not any good. So who gives a shit if an idiot thinks that that's the reason it's bad? Nobody, but it's funny to me. It is funny, yes. Personally, I, to, I will. to laugh at them. I agree. It is also very funny to see Buffalo fans legitimately being like, it was Ristolainen. All we had to do was get rid of Ristolainen <laughs> and, and look at us. Well, I mean, it's no, it's honestly not much different than the way Flyers fans as a whole viewed Andrew McDonald. Yeah. It was just like, like, it just, it became this thing where it was just like, look, I don't know if we're going to be good if we get rid of Andrew McDonald, but like you just have to for our sanity, <laughs> and that's the way it became with Sabres fans and Ristolainen, and where you know, like they were just done with him. They watched him for so long. They went through all the ups and mostly downs, and the idea that well, maybe he'll turn into something good, and then when he would have a good game, maybe he's figuring it out, and then he inevitably would post like four consecutive twenty percent expected goals games and go in the toilet again. So I think for them, like, they're just relieved not to have to be part of the rest of us line experience anymore. And the fact that they're winning to start the year just makes it even better. Well... I think the difference here is that Rasmus Ristolainen got another NHL job. Andrew McDonald never did. That is true. We suffered a lot more. Yeah. For a lot longer. Well, I mean, fair, but Ristolainen got a lot more minutes than McDonald did. And McDonald yeah. got way too many minutes, but Ristolainen blew him out of the water. Yeah, he on was that playing also, on the pa- Like, he was yeah. there. I mean, I mean, Rist shot lightning, man. He was playing on the power play. <laughs> Didn't the Sabres win a bunch of games to start last season, too? They did. And they won a bunch of games the year before yeah. to start. Good for yeah, them. All right. <laughs> so they, they kind of do this. So we'll see if it keeps up. I think, it, like, from a business standpoint, it makes sense. Like, if you're going to suck, it makes sense to win a bunch in the beginning, though, to get people into the building and, like, mm-hmm. commit the money and yeah. then start sucking. Like, it's- see, yeah, yeah. The, the reason why I just don't think Buffalo, I mean, aside from the fact that I just don't think they're a very good team talent-wise, like, they're just not. But a big reason why I do think they are inevitably going to falter is that they are just an extremely poorly run organization from top to top bottom. To bottom. Yeah. Like, in terms of how they deal with injuries, in terms of, you know, how they prepare their players for games, in terms of all the little things that over a season slowly start to accumulate and have an impact on team-level success. And I think that's a big reason why they fall off as years progress, because there's just so... It's just such a bare-bones organization from everything I've heard that... It really makes it, 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 it's it's not a good environment for players to succeed. And I don't think that's an excuse as to why Rasmus Line was as bad as he was in Buffalo. But I do think it's a reason as to why the Sabres are consistent. But it's part of, it's part of the handicapping of Ristolainen. Oh, Ristolainen's bound to at least be better here because that organization sure. is a dumpster sure. fire. Uh, real quick, and then we can wrap it up. Just want to talk about the Metro division here. Um... First of all, like, how ridiculous is this division? And second, like, we talked about it earlier, this schedule, man, like, consecutive TNT Wednesday games and only one in between last Saturday. I feel like they've played, they should have played at least a game or two more by now. Uh, They've only played four. But look, just this division real quick. Hurricanes 5-0, Capitals 4-0-2, Rangers 4-2-1. They're the only team in the, the Rangers are the only team in the division with a negative goal differential. Uh, Penguins 3-0-2, Jackets 4-2-0, Isles 3-2-1, Devils 3-1-0, 
Flyers, 2-1-1. One, and one. Like, this is insane, but who do we actually expect to, like, really fall off here? Like, the Blue Jackets aren't very good. They're 4-2-0. Yeah. Oh. The Devils, like, I... I'm not you know, convinced that the Devils are good. I pick them to be better than expected, but, like, honestly, looking at the division, no, they probably don't make the playoffs. Uh, the Rangers kind of look like they could fall off just the way their games have gone so far. I think if I'm yeah, remembering I mean, correctly, their goaltending hasn't looked super tight. No, I mean, it's just, just Durkin's great. Uh, they're, they're just, there's a little bit like Panarin hasn't looked really like Panarin in terms of his all-around game Tom so Wilson far this year. Um, <laughs> there's definitely a feeling that the Rangers, from a depth standpoint, you know, maybe unnecessarily hamstrung themselves with some of their offseason moves that they had the ability to be deeper than they actually are. Um, that said, I mean, I think they'll be in the mix. I don't think they're a bad team. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised at how little I'm surprised that the Penguins are winning because they just do this. Fucking they Mike always Sullivan. do this. Mark Doc, dude, he's killing. They always do this. <laughs> yeah, it, it kills me even more because one of the guys who's gone full Mark Donk has my last name. So that's <laughs> quite, it's quite annoying, not going to lie. For Christmas, you get Charlie O'Connor and O'Connor Penn's jersey. <laughs> Go fund me. I'm no, it, needs, right. it needs to be uh it needs to be the old St. Patty's jersey, so it says O O'Connor. Yes. Oh, God. oh my Perfect. gosh. Yeah. But like the Penguins and, and the thing with the Penguins is okay, well they're banking all these points and then like Crosby's gonna come back yep. and Malkin's gonna come back eventually and you know, this is why I didn't pick them to miss the playoffs, because they're the fucking penguins or and this is just what they do. Are the are Crosby and Malkin gonna be the cancers that ruin it? Ooh. Ah. Hopefully, <laughs> never know. Oh Hopefully. god, I, I'm a little surprised at how quickly how there. quickly the Capitals came out because I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm expecting them to drop, and I still think I'm still holding to at some point. I think they're going to go through a rut that's going to you know kind of send them back to earth. But they're obviously off to a real good start. Um, Another two one... goals for Ovi last night. He leads the league with seven. He yeah, just I mean, he's, the he's best. ridiculous. He's just he's ridiculous. Still doing it. Truly ridiculous. Um, I would love it. If it, it would be, it would be extremely funny, extremely funny, if the one year that we all agree that the Islanders are actually good, they, they turn out to kind of suck. God, yes, like that would be hilarious. <laughs> like, like for years, you know, all the statistical models are like the Isles aren't that good. They and, just you know, broke most us of us down. Are like they're not that good. And then finally, it's like, all right, I guess, I guess you guys are good. Yeah. I guess you are. We have to admit it. And this will be the year they're like below five hundred. The sample size is finally catching them. <laughs> regression, <laughs> major regression coming the Isles' way. Like they took three years to break us down and grind us in the dust and now they're actually going to be bad that would be very funny but uh, I don't see it happening I think uh, they'll just start committing more uncalled penalties to, to help them win games and the league yeah. will let it fly did you uh, notice how in that in that Florida game they called in one period two of those interference on dumping penalties yes. they never called yep. and they were both on the flyers like that was the most frustrating thing in the world for me to watch because it's like i've been screaming at you to call these freaking penalties for like 15 years and you finally call them and you call them twice in one period on the same team like, i was i was if you, look if you're gonna call these all the time that's great keep doing it but they won't they just won't. I was and actually, they won't. I was actually really proud of Sanheim on his because, like, he tried to use his body at least. Like, he got called, but good for you, dude. You, you maybe you realized you're like six four. Right. Yeah, he had another play. I think later in that period where like he knocked someone into Carter yeah. Hart who was trying yeah. to tie. And it was like all I could think of after those two plays was San- no, it was just Sanheim in his head. Like, see, this is what happens when I play physical. This is what happens. <laughs> see what you assholes wanted me to do. <laughs> All right, guys, so uh, how do we want to handle, do we just want to say stay tuned for a big surprise, or do we want to give away the surprise? Let's stay tuned, because I don't think we've quite figured out the final details, but Kelly has gotten the coolest thing. I didn't do anything, actually. So, uh... (laughs) So on Friday, perhaps uh, a big surprise will be hitting your podcast feed, and uh, maybe you're going to want to hit subscribe so you can find that uh, find that big surprise. All right, everybody, that 
is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Like I just said, if you want to find that big surprise just sitting there waiting for you in your podcast feed, there's only one way to do it. That's hitting that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. And boom! Content delivered to you daily. I mean, I go through it every time. It's this show, our flagship, BSH Radio, Fly Perbly, checking out the competition with Kelly, my post games, Flyers Forecast, the big surprise, all of it will be yours for free. Just uh, subscribe to the podcast, and while you're there, maybe leave us a review. Five stars, some nice words. That's always good. All right, that's all the time we have. My name is Bill Matz for Kelly, for Charlie, for Steph. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!